Living out your faith each day is a marathon, not a sprint. Are you struggling with your stamina and in need of a pep talk to pick up the pace? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues his look at the quality of endurance with inspiring illustrations and encouraging examples to boost your spiritual stamina. Listen as David introduces the conclusion of his message, A Life of Endurance. Well, thank you for joining us, and uh, thank you for being with us, at least for the last half of this message, because it's really important. Uh, This is not a time when a lot of people feel the strength of endurance in their life. Uh, Just stop and think about it. There's inflation, and there's all of these other issues that we're facing, wars everywhere you look, and social issues, and school problems, and the border. And, you know, if you make this list, you can you can just get overwhelmed. But friends, I want you to know the power of God in your life is, is there to enable you to stand, and having done all, to stand, and to be filled with determination going forward in your life. The Bible tells us never to quit. It's always too soon to quit. And uh, this message, part two, coming up in just a moment, is to help you with that quality of life. We'll get to it in a moment. First, just let me remind you, tonight we're in Buffalo, New York. Um, Our whole team has has come. They're so excited about coming. Everybody uh, from California has heard about uh, Niagara Falls, and most of them never been there. So they, they came to have a look. And I understand uh, that there's going to be uh, a lot easier time for most people to get to this rally. I remember the last time we came to Buffalo, um, it was not possible to go across the border. And uh, it, was, it was really frustrating for a lot of people and for us especially. I think that that's been fixed and we're going to have a great event. I hope you'll be there with us and uh, come with a prayer. Bring somebody that you know who needs to be there to be encouraged, maybe somebody who doesn't know the Lord. As I've already mentioned, we're going to have Ernie Haas and the Signature Sound Quartet with us and the Voices of Lee. Uh, we're going to have a great night. This is a night to celebrate all that God has done for us at Turning Point and to encourage your heart uh, to live for Him in these challenging days. Well, here's part two of A Life of Endurance from the series, A Life Beyond Amazing. Surround yourself with champions. Once again, from the book of Hebrews, this time from the 12th chapter, here's a word for us today. The 12th chapter of Hebrews, as you know, begins with the word, therefore. And you've probably heard me or others say that whenever you see the word, therefore, in the scripture, you need to stop and figure out what it's there for right? And the word therefore always has an arrow attached to it, pointing backwards. The word therefore wouldn't make any sense if there wasn't something in front of it that was going to condition the therefore. So in order to understand the therefore of Hebrews 12, you have to understand the content of Hebrews 11. And most of you already do. You may not remember that it's Hebrews 11, but you know there's a chapter in the Bible where all of the Old Testament saints are listed and they're given accolades for their faith and for their faithfulness to God and for their endurance and their champions. Hebrews 11 is often called the Hall of Fame of the Bible or the Hall of Faith of the Bible. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 Make sure we understand how important that chapter is because here's what it says. Now, let me finish the verse. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 
Now, I have to tell you, that's a great passage, and it reflects on Hebrews 11, but I've heard that passage explained most all of my life, and I've now come to conclusion I've heard it wrong. Usually what people say is, okay, you guys, you modern Christians, just remember there's all these heroes of faith who lived before you, and you can read about them in Hebrews 11 and other parts of the Bible. They're all up in heaven now, and they're looking over the banisters of heaven, and they're cheering you on. That's what I've heard. But there's something fundamentally wrong with that. First of all, if they're up in heaven, looking over the balcony of heaven, watching our sorry efforts down here, heaven's going to lose some of its joy. I can't imagine that, can you? That's not what it means. You see, when it comes to witnesses, there are two kinds. There's seeing witnesses, and there's saying witnesses. A seeing witness is, well, you watched an accident and you saw it. You witnessed the accident. But if you are called upon by the attorney to go to court and give an account of what you saw, now you become a saying witness. Now you're going to say what you saw. Now you're going to speak. I need you to understand that you will never know the value of Hebrews 11 unless you understand that the witnesses of Hebrews 11 are not seeing witnesses, they're saying witnesses. They're speaking to us out of history about their victories, and we learn about them through studying their lives and following their faith journey and watching how God used them in a mighty way. It's almost like when you're going through something, call up one of the witnesses. Let them speak to your life. That's why we study the Old Testament. That's why I love the stories of the Bible, because these stories are witnesses to us. You can make it. Why do we know that? Because they did, and they're going to tell you about what happened in their life, and as you study their faith journey, you're going to be blessed and encouraged like you wouldn't believe. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to gather around you some champions if you're going to make it. (laughs) you got to have people around you who will encourage you. Maybe you're saying, well, I don't have any champions in my life. What am I supposed to do? Well, let me tell you something pretty interesting. All the champions mentioned in Hebrews had been dead mostly for centuries before Hebrews was even written. Not one of the witnesses of Hebrews was alive when that book was written. But even though they were dead, they were still speaking through their written words and the records of their faith journeys. And so it is for us today. We are motivated and encouraged and challenged by the lives of men and women who've been dead longer than we've been alive, but they still speak to our hearts. Some people like to watch movies. Some like audiobooks. I love to read And I surround myself with champions by reading the stories of men and women who fought the same battles I'm fighting, and through perseverance and endurance, they won. Doesn't matter how you get your stories, whether it's film or TV or printed books, but fill your world with champions by taking in the stories of people who inspire you. One of the best and most enjoyable things we can do to develop endurance in our lives is to learn how it was achieved in the lives of others. You can read a lot of stuff, and some of it's kind of worthless. But read the stories of the champions and see if it doesn't bring energy and determination to your own heart. And the Bible is one of the great sources for these stories. Some people say, well, you should only read the Bible. No, no, no. Even people who don't know God and don't know Jesus can help you with their life. You say, well, they're not Christians. How could they help me? Watch what they do. You know, we're in the book of Philippians when Paul is giving us the story of how we're to deal with anxiety. He gets all done with the prayer section, and he says, and by the way, think on these things. 
And then he lists all these qualities of things we should think on. Not any of them are necessarily spiritual qualities, things that are good, things that are true. They're kind of general qualities. And I think that gives us some permission to realize that while not everyone in our world is a Christian, most people have something to contribute. And even if they get it, their truth, their truth ultimately came from God because all truth is from God. <laughs> so don't be afraid to read something once in a while that doesn't have scripture on the front of it. I'm not telling you to make that your passion, but there's a lot of good to learn from people who've been down the road you're going down and help you learn how to live life. So embrace your adversity and then surround yourself with champions. Could I just say a word here? There are some people in your life who aren't champions. In fact, they're tearing you down. I want to tell you, you can't afford to have too many of those speaking into your life if you're going to keep going. You need champions to speak into your life. You say, well, I'm supposed to be their friend. Yeah, you can be their friend, but here's the key. If they're tearing you down more than you're lifting them up, you might want to think about not doing that anymore. So embrace your adversity and surround yourself with champions and then find your passion and pursue it. If you get a chance, go back and read Philippians chapter 3 and Paul's discussion of how he pressed forward to the goal and he wouldn't look either way. He forgot those things which were behind and pressed toward those things which are before. This year, I gained a new champion in my life. I read the biography of a guy named Eliezer ben Yehuda. I became interested in his story because we go to Israel every other year or so, and there's a street sign in Jerusalem that had his name on it. It's called Ben Yehuda Street. And I asked a friend of mine who was with me what that was all about. Why was this guy, why does he have a street sign in the center of one of the most important cities in the world? And instead of answering my question on the spot, he said, hey, I'll give you a book tonight. You can figure it out. So he gave me this book uh, written by Robert St. John on the life of Eliezer ben Yehuda. And on the back cover of this book is this statement. This is a story of an incredible person who made enemies of his best friends, went to prison for his beliefs, was always on the verge of death from tuberculosis, fathered 11 children, gathered the material for a 16-volume dictionary unlike any other philological work ever conceived. And he died while he was working on the word in Hebrew for the word soul. Ben Yehuda devoted his life to the restoration of the Hebrew language to the Jewish people. For 41 straight years, he lived for nothing else. Every morning, he got up with one purpose. And the story of his dedication to accomplishing his vision is the definition of the word endurance. He found his passion, and he pursued it. The Jewish people no longer speak 150 languages. Their national tongue is an unbroken circle. The national language of the state of Israel today is Hebrew. When Ben Yehuda started work on his dream, Hebrew was only spoken in religious contexts. It had not been used in daily life for over 2,000 years, but he lived to see the day when virtually every Jew in his country wrote on their census form under mother tongue the word Hebrew. He lived to see the day when Hebrew was the language of the courts, the theater of business and society and public affairs. And during the 41 years, he had struggled to bring this about. He had often been called a fanatic. After his death, a eulogist added one word to that epithet, turning it into an epitaph. If you go to Israel today and find his grave, this is what you'll see written on his tombstone. 
Here lies Eliezer ben Yehuda, faithful fanatic. Faithful fanatic. When I finished reading that book, I felt this burning desire in my heart to be a faithful fanatic for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The biblical story of the apostle Paul proves him to be a faithful fanatic. Paul knew what it was like to carry the gospel and deal with the stress that it created. One of the passages that has motivated me over the years is one of the first phrases in the book of Romans. It talks about how Paul was a slave to the gospel, how he was sold out to the gospel. No wonder he spoke to young Timothy, who he was coaching in the ministry, and said to him, Young Timothy, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So if you're going to build endurance in your life, you've got to embrace your adversity, surround yourself with champions, find your passion and pursue it, get rid of what's holding you back. Here's what Hebrews says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. The writer of Hebrews says that the Christian life is like running a race, and nobody runs a race in an overcoat and boots. No, you've noticed they just have on enough clothing to be less than indecent, and they run the race. We all know from painful experience that unbelief erodes our confidence in God, and I believe that was the sin that was holding back the Hebrews. They had once believed that God was sufficient, but now they had lost that confidence, and they were afraid to go forward because they had forgotten that God, who had helped them then, would help them now. And so they kind of uh, went into a spirit of self-pity. That's a particular form of unbelief that's very damaging. They started feeling sorry for themselves, and this became a weight around them. I'm not going to spend much time here identifying what weight is holding you back. The reason I don't have to do that is because you already know what that is. You know. It's the thing that gets in your way over and over again. You're trying to have some momentum for God. You're trying to move forward and serve him. But every time you turn around, this weight gets in the way. I'm challenging you today, in the words of Hebrews, to get rid of that weight. Get rid of it. Don't just put it to the side. Destroy it. Get it completely out of your experience. Don't let that weight hold you back from serving God and knowing the joy that he wants you to have. Number five, don't even think about quitting. Oh, do I want to preach on this one. <laughs> Hebrews 12.1 says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Did you know that in the book of Hebrews, the little phrase, let us, which is a locker room word, if you will. Come on now, let's do this. <laughs> that little phrase occurs 13 times in the book of Hebrews, and it speaks to us every time. Yes, God helps us, and we can never do it without his grace, but we have a part too. Let us go forward. Let's us get in this race. Let's don't sit back and passively watch life go by when there's something God has called us to do. Once again, here's a secular book that spoke to my life this year. And the book has an interesting name. It's called Grit. That's the title of the book. Written by Angela Duckworth. 
And uh, in this book, she does a study on what makes people succeed. And she's trying to play off two different ideas of success. One idea of success says you, you succeed because you were born with the right genes, you have great parenting, and you grew up in a good home and had all the advantages, so you succeed. The other model says no, success has a little to do with that, but not very much. Success is about your passion and your perseverance in going after a goal. She did all kinds of blind studies, and when she came back after her study, she determined that grit, that was the term she gave it, was the key to succeed. And here's how she defines grit. She said to be gritty is to keep putting one foot in front of the other. To be gritty is to hold fast to an interesting and purposeful goal. To be gritty is to invest day after week after year in challenging practice. To be gritty is to fall down seven times and get back up eight. The Bible says we must run with perseverance the race that is set before us. We must not give up. You may remember I told the story of a guy named Eric Weyenmayer, the first blind man to successfully climb to the top of Mount Everest, the highest point on the earth. The story of that Herculean accomplishment was told in the book, Touch the Top of the World. And shortly after that television program aired, I got a letter from Eric's father who saw the program. And he wrote me this letter. It was really interesting. But part of the letter, he told me what happened next after Mount Everest. He said, as Eric was completing his Everest descent, his team leader spoke these words to him which profoundly affected the next chapter in his life. He said to him, don't let Everest be the greatest thing you ever do. Meaning, do not create a mausoleum of your trophies and retire on your laurels. And many years later, after six full years of intense training, Eric solo kayaked the mighty rapids of the Grand Canyon, 277 miles blind, a feat way more difficult than Everest. What did he do? He would not stop. He would not quit. He would not say back, this is what I've done. For this man, his dreams were way more important than his memories, and he kept fighting. And then the Bible also reminds us that we have to stay focused on our goal. Read what happened to Jesus and what he went through so that he could accomplish his goal. He endured the cross. He anticipated the joy that would follow. We endure because he endured, and he endures still, both now and forever. In fact, it is no overstatement to say that our ability to endure Whatever life throws at us is rooted and grounded in the enduring quality of God. Colossians 1 verse 11 is a key text, and it reminds us of this divine cooperative that we've been talking about today. Paul wrote to the Colossians, and he said, Strengthened with all might, according to God's glorious power. Why do you need to be strengthened with all might according to God's glorious power? for all patience and long-suffering with joy, for endurance. The Bible says that when we seek endurance and we follow God's command and we get in the stream of what God wants to do in our life, you can be sure that his might and his glorious power will be the core of your life, and you're going to need it to be enduring and resilient in life. In his famous business book, Good to great, Jim Collins tells this story, and I want to end my motivation to you with this story. 
The coaching staff of a high school cross-country running team got together for dinner after winning the second state championship in two years. And the program had been transformed in the previous five years from being good, the top 20, to great, which is consistent contenders for the state championship on both the boys' and girls' teams. As they gathered that night, one of the coaches said, I don't get it. Why are we so successful? We don't work any harder than other teams, and what we do is so simple. Why does it work? And he was referring to the concept of the program captured in the simple statement, we run best at the end. We run best at the end of workouts. We run best at the end of races. We run best at the end of the season when it counts the most. Everything in their program is geared to this simple idea, and the coaching staff knows how to create this effect better than any other team in the state. For example, they put a coach at the two-mile mark of a 3.1-mile race, and he collects data as the runners go past. And they calculate not how fast the runners go, but how many competitors they pass at the end of the race from mile two to the finish. The kids learn how to pace themselves and race with confidence. We run best at the end, they think, at the end of a hard race. So if I'm hurting bad, then my competitors must hurt a whole lot worse than I do. And I just want to say to you all today that I believe we are near the end of the race. I'm not a prophet, even though I have a prophetic name. But I've studied the scriptures for a long time, and as you know, we've studied prophecy here quite a bit. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know when Jesus is going to come back. I hope it's in my lifetime. I'd be really blessed if that happened. But one thing for sure, the Bible says his return, our redemption, is nearer than when we first believed. And I believe it's not going to be too long. And I just found myself, as I read that story, saying inwardly, I want to run best at the end. I want to run best at the end of my life. I want to run best at the end of my pastorate. I want to run best until Jesus comes. I want to be an enduring follower of Jesus Christ. I don't want to be a dropout. I don't want to be a casualty. And I am not going to quit. And I don't want you to quit. I don't want you to quit on God. I don't want you to quit on Jesus Christ. I don't want you to quit on the scriptures. I don't want you to quit on your wife or your husband or your children. I don't want you to quit on your neighbors. I don't want you to quit on life. Quitters every time look back with regret. So don't quit. Let's go on. Let's become God's people. Let's do God's work together. Let's strengthen one another. And when we're going through stuff, let's remember that's not always a negative thing. God's just getting you ready for something special. And you're going to be a champion. You know, um, most of us, if we're honest, look back over our lives and report with integrity that we learned the most during our most difficult times. Prosperity is not a good teacher for some reason, but adversity is the master teacher of life. And Adversity is not fun when we're going through it, but God has a purpose in it. And if we can be faithful and if we can endure, and the words really mean to stand up under uh, when stuff's on top of you, to stand up under it and be strong. I hope these two 
daily messages will help you do that. Well, we're going to take a break for the weekend. And uh, when we come back on Monday, we're going to talk about a life of compassion and then a life of generosity and a life of integrity next week here on Turning Point. And don't forget, tonight we're in Buffalo, New York at the Key Bank Center for our final rally event of 2022. Ernie Haas and Signature Sound, the Voices of Lee. It's a free event. But you must have a ticket, and tickets are available from davidsharamaya.org slash tours. Get the tickets you will prayerfully use and come and join us as we celebrate the goodness of the Lord and his wonderful provision for us during these days. We look forward to seeing you. There's still time for you to get information about the conference cruise at the end of December, but time uh, is getting short, so go to our website and look that up as well. All the stuff about Turning Points on the David Jeremiah website. You can find it there and interact with us. Have a great weekend, folks. We'll see you tonight or we'll see you Monday. God bless you. The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. If God is ministering to you through Turning Point, will you let us know? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Fill your Christmas with meaning and joy with your copies of David's book and new docudrama DVD, Why the Nativity. Each is available for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries and instantly access our content. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series A Life Beyond Amazing here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Looking to celebrate the holiday season in a meaningful way? Consider revisiting the story of the first Christmas. In the newest edition of his book called Why the Nativity, Dr. David Jeremiah looks in close detail at the people and events surrounding that special day. The book and brand new docudrama are yours when you support Turning Point this month with a gift of $60 or more. If you give $100 or more, you'll also receive the correlating CD album and study guide. Donate today at davidjeremiah.ca. For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. The British preacher F.B. Meyer was approaching an English harbor on board a ship in the dark of the night. He asked the captain how he knew the way into the harbor. 
When those three lights out there line up and become as one, the captain said, we know the harbor is dead ahead. F.B. Meyer said there are three lights that must align to know God's will, the desire of one's heart, the Word of God, and general circumstances. Where God's Word is clear, that is the only light we need. But when it is not clear, care and prayer are required. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how to know God's will on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.